0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of From Sunday to Monday, the podcast of River Oaks Presbyterian Church. Thank you for tuning in. Today we are continuing our study of the gospel and race. Specifically, Jonathan Dorst will be talking about what it means to uh, that Christians are called to break down the walls, the barriers that are between us. Uh, he will start with uh, the Abraham, and work all the way through to the Apostle Paul. I think you'll really enjoy this, and I hope it uh, stimulates some good questions and good thoughts. As always, if you have any questions, email them to info at riveroakstulsa.com. Thank you. First week we talked about how God, we have a transcendent, um, transcendent reason to believe in equality, and that comes from the Bible, how we were created in God's image, and then also how we are all fallen. Because of the fall. And then we talked about last week how uh, equality is also a part of the story of redemption in the Bible. Uh, That it begins with, beginning with Abraham, God calls Abraham to begin a new nation that would be a holy nation, the nation of Israel. And it was to be set apart, but set apart for a purpose. It was to be set apart In order to show what true worship of God means in a very multicultural world, in a world that had many worldviews, many religions, many polytheistic religions. God said, show them how to worship me. But then the ultimate purpose of Israel was to, to bring the whole world into that worship. And God's call, original call to Abraham, was not only to be the father of this nation, but to be a blessing to all the nations in the world. And that was always the plan for Israel. And of course, they didn't do well with that plan until Jesus came. And Jesus came to be uh, the Savior for the whole world. And uh, he, he began what we call the new Israel, the church. And in the church, he called everyone to come together to be as one. And the Apostle Paul talks about that, Now there is no Jew or Gentile slave or free, male or female in the church. It's not that we lose those identities, but that in Christ, there's a radical equality and a radical oneness. All are welcome in the house of God. And so there's these, there are these big themes in Scripture that call us as believers to teach equality, to believe in equality, and to work for it. Um, but I, I was thinking about the question, some people may ask, well, okay, we, we talked a lot in, in modern America about this idea of racial reconciliation. Now, is there an example in the Bible of racial reconciliation? Is there concrete something that we can look at? Well, one of the interesting things, if you read the New Testament, you can't get away from is One of the pervasive themes is how do these two very different groups of people get along? And the two groups are the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Again, those who descend from Israel. They are the ones who are given the original promises of God, the covenants. They are the ones that God has given his promises to and he has been their God. And then... It seems like, although we knew that was planned all along, it seems like when Jesus comes, He says, "Now you are to bring in the Gentiles, all the, which is sort of shorthand for all those people who are not Jews, right? And they are to come and to be a part of you. And of course, that was difficult, right? Because we have really what was the majority culture in the church." was the Jews, right? Jesus was Jewish, pretty much all the apostles were Jewish, and so they were were the, the leaders of this early church, and some of them had a hard time bringing in, letting the Gentiles come in. They had been used to, you know, the Gentiles not being able to come into the temple in Jerusalem. They were used to excluding them, they were used to doing things all differently. And the New Testament, there are a number of places where they have to work through this. How do we now live? And then these technical questions like, well, do the Jewish, or do these Gentiles, do they have to go through circumcision? Right? Do they have to obey all the Old Testament cleanliness laws? How does that work? Right? And we see church councils being formed, like in Acts 15, where they have to work through these, these heavy questions. And I was reading recently in in Ephesians 2, the book of Ephesians, one of Paul's letters, and thinking about this topic of racial reconciliation, saw something there I'd never seen before. Okay, Ephesians 2 starts uh, probably in a way that a lot of us are familiar, right? It lays out what I would call a a summary of personal salvation. Paul writes, he says, you we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You are by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trans- trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? If you're like me, you love these verses. Right? These are just a it's just a great summary of what we believe about salvation. We are dead in our transgressions. We are so sinful we can't make our way to God. But God, in His mercy, reached out to us, right? And now He has saved us. We are saved. From our sin by grace, some great summary of what justification means and sanctification. We're saved to do the good works that God prepared beforehand. I love these verses. I had a band in college. The name of our band was Ephesians Two. That's how much I love this part. But that was I would usually start there, a stop there, right? Man, I love that. But, but Paul goes on, and, and and some people might say, well, isn't that enough? right, isn't enough, isn't this what we should stress in our churches, right, personal salvation, right, how to get right with God, why do we have to talk then about social issues, right, this racial reconciliation stuff, isn't that a a social, the social gospel, but Paul goes on to address what I call the minority uh, group in the church, Right? He says, Therefore, remember that one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, the Jewish people were the circumcision, they were sort of deridingly calling the Gentiles the uncircumcision, remember that you were one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who's made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, Peace to those who are near. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. You know, I think I'd always read that as, well, Paul's just saying basically the same thing instead of the first half of the chapter. Right? It even sounds the same, right? You were separated from Christ, right? Like, you're dead in your trespasses. And then, but, God, but now in Christ, you were far off and brought near by the blood of Christ. Right, so, so the language is similar, but, but it struck me what Paul is doing here, I think. He is specifically specifically speaking to the Gentiles. He is going overboard to let them know that they, as the religious minority in the church, are included. And that they are equal with the religious majority in the church. I don't think he's simply restating the plan of salvation again. He is going overboard. He, he wants to do everything. He's so afraid that they will feel left out. that Because so many Jews in in the church, are making them feel left out, right? Putting all these extra things, these extra hurdles for them to jump over, in order to feel like they're a part of the church. He directly addresses them. And he takes pains to make them know you are equal. You are with us. Two needs to become one in the church. See. That's not only Paul, the theologian, that's Paul, the missionary, isn't it? That is Paul taking pains to make his message clear to everyone. And so I thought, well, what are the implications of that? Right? What are the implications for us in the church? When are we, the majority culture, In the church, and and are we going the extra mile to invite in the minority culture, those who have not been a part, in order to make the two one? And I was thinking about, you know, uh, maybe just to to bring this into context, I was thinking, I was thinking about if I was to go to a party or even just to to go to a bar or a restaurant, right? And and I come in and I opened the door and I realized everyone in the place is black or everyone in the place is Hispanic except for me, right? I'm the only white person. And I could go in and I could get a table and, and it would be one thing if everybody sort of looked at me and thought, well, he can, he can make himself fit in, right? If he wants to be here, that's fine. But it's a whole other thing People come up and say, "Man, I'm so glad you're here. Come on in, join in the party, right? Is this is this something that we should be doing? Well, uh, last year I mentioned last week that uh, we had sort of a historic General Assembly at uh, for our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, and uh, one of the one of the things that we did was we passed." An overture, it's Overture 43 that I uh, printed out for you. And, uh, and I'll just sort of read parts of it, you can read the whole thing, but it says uh, with the, our, This General Assembly does recognize, confess, condemn, and repent of corporate and historical sins, including those committed during the Civil Rights era, and continuing racial sins of ourselves. And our fathers, such as the segregation of worshipers by race, the exclusions of persons from church membership on the basis of race, the exclusion of churches or elders from membership in the presbyteries on the basis of race, etc., uh, etc. Et and some of the things that we looked at um, not only defending but participating in white supremacist organizations, separatist groups, and further resolving uh, to repent of those sins and failures. Um, And then in the third paragraph, to recommit ourselves uh, to the gospel task of racial reconciliation, diligently seeking effective courses of action to further that goal uh, for the glory of God. And then further, next paragraph, urging the congregations and presbyteries to make this resolution known to their members, and then they prayerfully confess their own racial sins as led by the Spirit, strive toward racial reconciliation for the advancement of the gospel, the love of Christ and the glory of God, um, etc. And that's essentially what we're doing with, with this class. Right? Um, you know, was that necessary? Why did we do this? Well, the first is the reality of the situation, the reality of... Our situation is a denomination that was predominantly uh, white and southern, and uh, you know even today is probably at least eighty, maybe ninety percent Caucasian. As a denomination, is certainly leadership even higher uh, as far as pastors and elders? Um, Not at all reflecting uh, the the makeup of of the the place where we've been called to minister in America. And, uh, and so we did this recognizing that reality, but also recognizing the reality of what the Bible talks about um, as corporate sin, right? There are times throughout the Bible when one person or one group confesses sins, not only for ourselves, but for our fathers who have come before us, Right? That's what it means to live in covenant with each other. I'm not just responsible for myself. I'm responsible for my family. We see Job in the Old Testament uh, making sacrifices for his children in case they sin before God, taking responsibility for his his family. We're also in covenant with each other in the church. And so we realize we need to confess those corporate sins, even if I'm not actively doing them, the denomination I belong to has been part and complicit and has not publicly repented of those public very public sins. We also recognize the need for course correction, that, that this we needed to change as a denomination. And then, of course, the practical necessity for gospel ministry, right? Like Paul saying, Going out of our way to say, you know, it's not just that we're just fine if you, if, you know, some minorities want to come and and be a part of our majority culture. We want to go the extra step and say, you are welcome. We want you to be here with us. Um, Reflecting on this overture, uh, a PCA pastor named Jamar Tinsley says, as a black person in an overwhelmingly white branch of the church, I have to constantly evaluate whether I'm truly welcome here or not. A strong statement repenting not just of racism generally, but the more recent lack of vocal support for racial equality during the civil rights movement is necessary because silence about the matter tacitly communicates either support or indifference. Now I can confidently say that the PCA is both aware of and remorseful for its historic connections with racism, especially from the mid-20th century to the present. But having this overture in the records only helps at first. The actual lived experience of ethnic minorities in churches and presbyteries will prove whether the denomination is truly ready to make room at the table for historically underrepresented groups. So, um, again, if you're a member of our church, you're also a member of our denomination. And that's what happened uh, last summer in our denomination. And I was proud to be a part of it. And uh, I'm gonna share that with you.